Welcome to the Back Row Bros podcast, where the party in the front hits the... Dang it. (laughs) Welcome to the Back Row Bros podcast, where the business in the front meets the party in back. Today, we're going to be having an injury report, like we have in the past. We'll be talking about ACL injuries, some of the protocols with that, some of the things that we do in rehab with that. We have our special guest, Mason, with us again today. We're glad you're with us today. And we're looking forward to a good show. I got a bad feeling about this. And we're live. What's up, bros? What's going on? Hey, man. Yo, yo, yo. Hello. Hola. Are you going live on Instagram? Dude. Oh, okay, nice. It won't be for long. It's just oh. kind of like a couple minutes. Get people noticing that we're live. So right now, yeah, right they now can you're comment. On social media, dude. Oh. They can say hey. They got they the back comment. of my hey, Instagram. head. Instagram. How's the back of my head look? Nice. Probably stupid. It's probably ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, we just went Facebook live. No, we're Instagram live. Insta- oh. Instagram live. If you have any questions, dude, are you even a millennial? <laughs> IG live. Dude, Instagram is my. Is I guess my we should have gone Facebook Live because we got six times more followers on. Oh, that's on true. That's true. Life. More interaction through Facebook, for sure. Living life. It's all good. So, what are we talking about today? We got the an injury scariest, report, don't we? The scariest of all injuries, man. Very common. Which one? Three little letters. A, C, L. You need to put like creepy music after that, like. Dun, dun, dun. What is the ACL? The anterior cruciate ligament. Yeah, it's a ligament. It's in your knee. Uh, most people listening to this have probably heard of it before. Okay. It's actually in both of your knees. Yep. Yeah. That's a fun fact. Mm-hmm. You have. You actually have two. Indeed. Yeah. You always hear it talked about singularly, but there's two of them. But on. A, but it goes. So it goes from your tibia to your femur, and it keeps your. It kind of uh, helps with the stability of the knee. Um, it's in the middle of the joint. It keeps that tibia from going forward. And uh, most of the time when well, it's... Well, it sets it forward. Yeah, it keeps it from moving anteriorly. Mm, it keeps yeah. the tibia from moving anteriorly. But too far forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your tibia yeah. is starting to go forward, but it's going to Yeah, it stabilizes. I'm going to yeah. Uh So it's commonly torn um, in non-contact injuries. Indeed. Soccer is a popular one. It can also be torn in contact sports. If you get a hard hit to the knee in a valgus force, probably gonna with probably gonna foot planted. with the foot planted. Can also be torn while trying to stretch a triple into a home run in slow pitch softball. Ooh. I've heard of that before. <laughs> I heard that's yeah. a rare one, but it does happen. So what's the most common form of injury? It's a it's like a pivot. It's a, it's a, valgus. a valgus force on a a quick a valgus planted force. foot. Yep, mm-hmm. a quick cut. If you're trying to make a quick cut. It's a good thing I can't make quick cuts. A lot of the times, like, why it happens so much with soccer is because they wear cleats in soccer, and their cleats will get stuck, mm-hmm. and they'll go to move, and their foot don't move, and then they just watch. Yeah, because it's most often the planted foot in soccer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah, I've seen people get <clears throat> juked in football and just see them fall down, and you know it's just an ACL. It's embarrassing. Yeah, It is embarrassing. That's, That's the I'm... worst way to go down is, like, you got juked, you got yeah. scored on, and you tore your ACL. And your you body won. just could not take the juice, the sauce. You and lost the, the state sauce. championship game. Insult like, to injury. Yeah, I hate to see it. Well, this this topic is pretty 
it's pretty fresh on all of our minds. I know yeah. y'all had a y'all did a project on ACL, so we're gonna get into that a little bit. Indeed, but indeed. First of all, fortunately, we have an injury report. Dylan Moses, the face of our Alabama Crimson Tide, tore his ACL in practice. You hate to see it. And uh, so that was that happened. That's our second linebacker do it, out for ACLs this year. And it's got to be like six in the last two years. So Were they in full contact? Or no, no, it was actually it was, was it were, late Friday were. night. No, it was late Tuesday. It was on a Tuesday, Tuesday before the game. Yeah. And he, uh, it may have, they may have been doing full contact. Or was it the contact where you like hit them, but you don't like knock them to the ground? I mean, they weren't thing. like full pads. I don't. Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure. But so and he, ten, do we know is this ACL or was it? I mean, AL.com a, reported ACL because I looked it up before like we came on here because I didn't want to say it because it had been undisclosed knee injury. Just severe knee injury yeah, for a while. For a while, AL.com said torn ACL, so I'm going with torn ACL. So torn ACL. Top. He was going to be a top six draft pick supposedly. He was gonna be a baller, but so he had, he toured on Tuesday, and I think he had surgery with uh, in Birmingham that same week. I guess would be with with Dr. Kane or one of his friends, disciples. I'll go Dr. Kane. Dr. Kane usually does the Bama guys. Is he? Did Dr. Kane do your surgery? Yeah, he did my arm. Dr. Kane's a piece. I had, I actually had an ACL from from him on my clinical. He yeah. You watched it? No, like he came back to my the clinic I was at to rehab. Gotcha. So that was a hey, fun idea. Uh, HIPAA, dude. Okay. Um, got him. Nice. That was a good test. Where you guys? Hey, we're, slipping. We're, all, we're on live right now. There's no editing that yeah. out. Here. No, no, no. All right, so that's that's our injury report. We'll catch up with Dylan Moses later, but torn ACL in practice on first week of August. So we'll see. We'll keep you updated with how quick he comes back. But he's gonna he had the surgery already, and that's the injury report unfortunately, for Alabama football. Yeah. Well, we do know, as far as, like, uh, post-op, what did we learn? What, so we just did a research project on it. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of different types of surgeries. Yeah. Yeah, you can do a teletendon graft, hamstring graft. Mm-hmm. We got what, what other grafts? Um, you can do the Achilles from a cadaver. You can do the... Don't they normally do autographs? They do normally do autographs, but... Which an autograph is? From yourself. From yourself. Right. Allograph would be from someone else. Oh, and the same xenograph. species. Another Pig. species. <laughs> species. But they don't really do xenografts for ACL, right? No, not no, 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 I don't think it's so. Auto, I wouldn't auto. think so. Would that, like, like, can y'all run xenograph, I'd want, like, a, a grizzly bear ACL. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Grit. If yeah. you had a grizzly bear ACL, you could just take take down. Yeah, I don't see think that being terrible. Horse. <laughs> horse, horse ACL. Think yeah. about the marketing you could do. Like, hey, come to my clinic, and we'll give you, like, a cheetah ACL. <laughs> All what? right, well, so back to actual Anyways. ACLs. <laughs> what are some of the benefits of those certain... Well, we learned that the patellar tendon gives you more anterior knee pain. That that I was kind of shown in some research, if you get the patellar tendon graft. The hamstring, there's been some studies that showed you might have some less function. 
like you won't be able to use your hamstring as well. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but uh, <laughs> it, it sounds about right. Because right? it was coming from the semimembranosus tendinosus. Semitendinosus. Tendinosus. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind that you know the hamstring's a muscle, so if you take a graft from it, now you have to rehab the ACL and kind of rehab the graft site too, because right. you just cut it into a muscle. Right. Yeah. Well, how easy is it to just turn a tendon into a ligament? I mean, is that the I same? I think they double. I think they double it. Okay, so that, that's how it makes it almost the same strength. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. So. so with the membrane, they just kind of do they just take part of the tendon off, or the the hamstring? They just take part of the tendon off and then reattach the hamstring there. Or do they cut they don't that untouch. Hole? They don't. Oh, they just shave part of it. Yeah. Off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, the hamstring, I think, is more common for athletes because they don't have that as much anterior knee pain, and they can start doing more functional exercise earlier. But it does kind of take away from their. It might. It might. Okay. So yeah. Not fully on there. Yeah. I'm not sure. And so then that's uh, same day post op surgery right there. You go in the morning, get out at night. Not even get out, not get out yeah. an hour. Yeah, yeah, later. yeah. It's yeah. only it only takes about a little bit over an hour. It's, it's not like very long. arthroscopic. Yeah. It's it's not hugely invasive. I don't guess. But mm-hmm. the only times where it uh, goes, an ex- like in a more of like a longer time period under under surgery is if you have this unfortunate condition called like the terrible triad or the unfortunate triad where you blow your ACL, your MCL, which is the uh, medial cruciate ligament. So collateral. collateral, sorry, medial collateral <laughs> ligament and the meniscus, they all get torn, and that takes a while to repair. Yeah, yeah. Or if it gets infected, like Darius guys, mm. infected. I want that to happen. That's, That's sure. horrible. But uh, so as far it, most times you're gonna have a protocol. Um, there is a million protocols out there. You said you said nine months. Is that about what we can expect? Not nine months to twelve months, mm-hmm. as far as return to play. Okay. Okay. So for nine months for Dylan Moses, we can. Do you think it's re- reasonable to expect a college athlete to well, come back in nine months? Well, or it won't more? do us any good if he comes back in nine months, anyways, because that'll be the start of the summer. So. Just well, I'm just thinking for like I mean, in general, training, is though. is it going to yeah. be easier take shorter amount of time for a high school sophomore to return to play over Dylan Moses returning to play at. He, he has resources. Yeah, yeah, he has un- he has unlimited resources. Yeah. But still, but that but the level you're gonna return to, it's not like it's it's not like you're the best kid at your high school anymore. Right. I mean, Dylan Moses is the best linebacker in the SEC, but I mean, I feel like it's just what pretty difficult to return back in nine months. I mean, we saw yeah. with Terrell Lewis and them last year, they came back, but I mean, well, I guess Terrell didn't come back, but like, um, one of them came back, and I mean, he wasn't as quick as he was. He came back in that nine-month time. I mean, it's definitely going to be some severe, like, I mean, because he hasn't been playing. I mean, you can only simulate actual sport and return to sport so much. Yeah. And so, like, as you were doing the testing and all that, like, you can only get as close to the sport. Like, you can only emulate it so much. So, you're still, like, yeah, he may be back in nine. Ideally, he would be back in nine probably for him, but in all actuality, he probably won't be full, full back like to his full self until, like, a couple months after. Okay. All right, protocols, how do they start? Um, what we were looking at is a lot of them want you to uh, get early weight-bearing. So same day or next day? It can be. It's like early weight-bearing is tolerated is what we saw. And, like, so... They're going to keep you in full extension. Yeah, you're definitely in a locked brace. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, full extension is your leg kicked all the way out. No, no bend in it. Yeah, you want to get to full extension passively, too, before you kind of start 
making some other... Yeah. Prehab is a huge part when it comes to ACLs. Yeah. Okay. I've heard a lot about prehab. Because once it's torn, I mean, it's gone. Like, yeah. There's nothing you can do until you get surgery to fix it. So what they want to do is get your quads as strong as possible before surgery. That way, like uh, Colton was saying, you can get to that full extension quicker after surgery. It's all about the extension range of motion and Early getting on. that quad firing. Yep. Yeah, quad activation. Yep. Because why? They do nerve blocks. Thank you, Waldhelm. Yep. Because I remember when I was working with some, you you can't do certain activities until the extensor lag is gone. Correct. Did y'all see a lot of yeah. that in yeah. the protocol? Yeah, yeah definitely. We saw yeah. a big thing about you don't really take them because generally after your Whenever you see a patient who has an ACL surgery, they're going to have a knee brace on and one of those big burly braces that keep them locked out in full extension. And we, what we saw, pretty sure it was in the uh, protocol that we've, we were following, is that you really don't want to take the uh, brace off until, like, obviously you take it off when you're in therapy so you can do work on range of motion and whatnot, but you don't want them to take it off outside of therapy until they have no extensor lag on that side. Okay, so a couple weeks after that, no extensor lag, range of motion's good. What are we progressing to? Strengthening, uh, glutes, quad, hip, gastro, external rotators. That's glutes. And once that extensor lag's gone, you can unlock the brace so you can ambulate with the brace unlocked. So you're no longer in that like extended leg, uh, like restricted. Uh, ambulation pattern walking you can walk more normal now mm-hmm. yeah so a lot about strengthening gait training gait yeah. training and we were also on several other protocols too that have very specific like week by week guidelines of how much knee flexion they want the brace locked in mm-hmm. as the weeks progress so it that. just it really just depends honestly okay so you progress through that you're getting them you're going to continuously strengthen how do you know when they're ready to return to play we had a slide that we did. said it was like it was like okay it was like okay so once they progress through the stages and you're pushing them as like kind of like what they can tolerate, then you have um, basically a series of hop tests, mm-hmm. and so you you've got. Um, Six meter hop test. Let's help me out, guys. You got. Um, I think it's a it triple was hop test. triple hop, and then you do crossover. A, that's six meter crossover, right? Mm-hmm. And then so it's like the series of hop tests, and you're basically looking at the stability of the knee. Yeah, if they can't, if they're not, if they aren't able to control each hop, then they're not ready. And it's something like uh, the ACL knee is supposed to be ninety percent as strong as yes. the regular knee. The yeah, reference leg. Yeah, yeah. but there's. You know, there's some discrepancy about that because you haven't been using your reference leg for that whole time. Mm -hmm. You haven't been rehabbing it. You haven't been using it the same way as you would have during sport. Right. Yeah. So then you might have some skewed numbers and you might have some increased percentages of re-injury that way. I think that's why another reason why prehab is so important is because if you go to a facility that has any type of... uh, like Biodex or anything that can objectively measure quad strength, they can get that on the injured leg and the reference leg before you go in for surgery. So that way they have more of an accurate representation. Baseline. Of your, yeah, yeah Baseline. exactly. All right, boys. We got a question from uh, Cameron Bisher. He wants to know about blood flow restriction and ACL reconstruction. Do it or nah? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not going to give about? my that's, that's lack something. of expertise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the only thing that I can say is uh, I've been listening to the Ask Mike Reynolds show podcast. Shout out. Yeah, he, it's actually really good. But they did an episode of Blood Flow Restriction, and they were talking about how it's like it's so new 
that they're actually conducting research on it right now. And um, they're they're seeing results themselves, but so in like clinically speaking, but as far as research goes, there's not a whole lot out there. So I'm that's all. That's the only way I can answer that question. So maybe, maybe. Yeah, they're they're using it at champion P- at champion sports or whatever it is. Hits with the PT school. It depends. Yeah. Hey, how about do it and get back to us on it? Ooh. Tell us if it works. Case study. Hmm. Are there any That's a great question. at risk populations for ACL? Have you already talked about that? Women. Women. Girls. What age specifically? Teenage girls. That Female athlete triad, maybe? Yeah, that has to do with it too. But because they have a wider pelvis and a shorter femur, mm. they most likely have a greater Q angle, which is a risk factor as well. Some evidence shows. Some evidence shows that. Um, but once you get to the college age, uh, there's really not a difference between guys and girls okay. in the prevalence of ACL injuries. Why do you think that is? I'm guessing because natural selection has taken its <laughs> way. You've got girls that haven't been injured, and you know they've got strong glutes and hamstrings and quads, more stable knee. And then prevention's you, pretty getting you, more popular as well. Yeah, you've got a better resource of training and prevention as well. I feel like that's probably a big thing. When you get to the college levels, you have more intense like conditioning programs for your female athletes. So they have you know those key muscles that provide stability and protect your ACL, you know, the the glutes, the external rotators, uh, what else we got? Quads. Quads, all these muscles that like are usually weaker in females in their younger ages. When they get to college level, they've had more conditioning, they have stronger muscles, so their knee has more like active stability, and they don't mm. have to rely on their ACL quite as much. Yeah, and then there's that factor you just said, Joel, like their hormones also play a role in that too, and that's something out of their control as far as I know. And, you know, they can't... <laughs> <laughs> and, and nutrition. Nutrition the, plays a key role. Nutrition, yeah. As far as female athlete tried, that's kind of different subject, but... Yeah. That does put them at risk for ACL, I know. Yeah. So, anything else on ACL? Such a big, well, big topic. There, there's another thing with return to play that I wanted to mention was uh, fear of movement, uh, mm-hmm. fear of playing. you got to test that in your athletes before they get back out there because um, if the player is going out there afraid of re-injuring the knee... The, they're going to have a higher likelihood of re-injuring that knee. You want them to feel safe. You want them to move the same way that they moved before and and not be afraid to injure that knee. So you want to test that before you get an athlete back out there too. Was that just like a questionnaire? Yeah. The Tampa scale is one. Tampa scale of kinesiophobia. Um, you can use that. Um, but, you know, if you're not using that, just try to communicate with your athlete and um, make sure that you think that they're safe before they go back out there. Did I miss that? Can we, can we test people to see if they're more likely to tear their ACLs? Um, I mean, that... Q angle, maybe, as a risk factor. Well, you did another... There, you? We did have a risk factor um, slide. It was, it was definitely uh, neuromuscular control mm-hmm. related. So, like, if you're... Um, quads are a lot, like if it's an imbalance between quads and hamstrings is a risk factor. I mean, it, it could go 
they, you could do a Q angle, like we said, there's some evidence to say that is a risk factor. Gender is a risk factor. Um, even like what surface you're playing on can be a risk factor, so. Thanks for tuning in with us on the Back Row Bro podcast. We hope you enjoyed hanging out with us today. We had that cool segment with Cameron earlier on the live Instagram post. Hopefully we'll be doing those more in the future. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. This is the Back Row Bros. We're out. Oh.